Pilgrim Falcon Productions presents Y2K Redux Episode 1, New Millennium's Eve The future arrives in less than an hour. Are we ready for it? Welcome back everyone to our New Year's Eve show this Friday night. We're CKES Toonie Radio, broadcasting live from Toronto, Canada to the world on FM and shortwave. My name is Luke Marlowe and, well, you're stuck with me tonight, December 31st, 1999. Sorry, all the other hosts are on holiday. As we gaze into the future, it's important to look back at the past too. Tonight, I revisit 20 or so years ago when I was a kid. Back then, I dreamed about this night and more so about the era that starts tomorrow. I used to feel terribly out of place. I didn't belong anywhere. My parents seemed almost ancient in their ways. It was like we were a time traveler's conundrum. My parents had come from the past and I'd been kidnapped from the future and we were just stuck with each other in an uncomfortable and lackluster time frame. But the year 2000 and the 21st century always gave me hope. I remember, for instance, reading about space exploration. Supposedly, tonight, there was going to be a joint USA-Russia manned mission landing on Mars. I imagine myself watching those astronauts and cosmonauts walking side by side on Mars today. Hey, I even imagine being one of them. But now that we reached this state, it's not happening. All we got was that silly-wheeled robot two years ago. The Sojourner. Yeah, right, Dax, that rover thing. Now the latest mission just disappeared or crashed. What was the name of that one? The Mars Polar Lander? Yeah, well, it disappeared a few weeks ago, so space exploration for the 21st century looks pretty anticlimactic so far. Hopefully it'll pick up in the following years. Who knows? Maybe finally by 2020 we'll get to see astronauts on Mars. But even so, I'm very pumped up for tonight. All these years feeling that I was living in an antiquated world, always looking forward to the world of the 21st century. Now, it's finally here. So close, we can almost smell it. In fact, most of the world already lives in the year 2000, as it started 18 hours ago, somewhere in the Pacific. I think we can assume that the celebrations from Auckland to London to Buenos Aires have been outstanding. I mean, it's a once in a thousand years party. Now, unfortunately, I've been too busy today at the stations, so I haven't been able to follow the festivities. How about you, Daksh? How did it go in India? No idea. I've been here since 7 a.m., but I'm sure it went awesome. Now, Dax is our chief engineer. In fact, our only engineer today. I think the rest of the staff joined the technician strike going on in Quebec, or they're on holiday, too. What staff are you talking about? <laughs> right. Hang in there, Dax. We're almost done with this century. You'll cash in lots of overtime. Actually, we still have one more year to go. The year 2000 is the last of the 20th century. The 21st century doesn't start until 2001. Yeah, I know, man, but tell that to the worldwide celebration. I'm pretty sure next year no one will be celebrating like this. Or who knows, maybe we'll get to enjoy two mega global parties. Either way, the year 2000 is the one that changes everything for everyone. It's the future, man. My childhood dream come true. I mean, I feel like someone should pinch me right now. Would you like Roxy to pinch you? <laughs> Roxy Gibson? Man, she's awesome. People, make sure to tune into her show, New Age Grooves with Roxy, right here on CKES on Saturday mornings and Wednesday evenings. I wish she was here with us, but she's in Mexico right now. She's with us, on the phone. Really? Ah, oh, patch her through, man. Hey, Rox, buenas noches. Hello, Luke. How are you? How's the weather over there? Ha, you're just being mean, Rox. 
You know we're way cold over here. Has the mayor called in the army yet? (laughs) Okay, let me explain to all of our listeners around the world. Back in January, we had a lot of snow here in Toronto, like stupid amounts of snow on top of more snow, and we're just not used to so much snow. Not here, I mean, this isn't Montreal. So the Toronto mayor called in the army to save us. Yep, the Canadian forces invaded the city to fight against the snow. Well, needless to say, we were the laughing stock of the country. I mean, if anything defines Canada, it is snow. Yeah, but I prefer maple syrup. How were you adjusting to the snow back in January, Rox? With yoga, a lot of meditation, and above all, a good shovel. My meditation game was weak. Uh, Shoveling was weak, too. Anyway, how does it feel to trade snow for sand? Loving the Mexican beaches? Haven't been to the beach yet, Luke. Besides, this is not fully a vacation. You guys gave me a microcassette recorder and a bunch of tapes to work my butt off. Hey, it's our only chance to have a correspondent in Mexico. You can't be at the beach all day. Take a break once in a while from the sun and record a few interviews or some kind of travelogue for us. For sure. That's why tonight I'm in Teotihuacan. Is that like a ruined site? Teotihuacan is a huge archaeological complex in central Mexico, 40 kilometers away from Mexico City. It was one of the largest cities in the whole world 1,500 years ago. It's a very mysterious and mystical place, considered the top energy center in the world to receive the new millennium tonight even more than the Great Pyramids of Giza. Representatives from every indigenous nation in the continent, from Canada to Argentina, gathered here today. The atmosphere has been incredible. It's the most mystical event one could ever witness. Sounds amazing. Tell us a bit of what you've seen so far. Mm, The most spectacular thing I saw today was Los Voladores de Papantla. It's an amazing ritual ceremony to ask for the God's favor. Flying men come swinging down headlong from a 30-meter pole, ropes tied to their legs, while playing pre-Columbian music. Hey, uh, see if they could come to Toronto and do that from the CN Tower. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. What uh, what time is it there? It's one hour earlier than in Toronto. So, you'll usher in the year 2000 an hour ahead of me. Yeah, I'll probably be in bed by the time the new year arrives in your location. Well, at least on my way home. So, please, record everything you can. We'll air your stories when you come home. I already interviewed a shaman about tonight's events, and I think it'd be interesting to listen to, although it's a little grim. Hey, we like grim. Can you play it? We have a few minutes to fill. All right, here it goes. Um... Hola, Toonie Radio listeners. This is Roxy Gibson reporting from Mexico. I'm on the Pyramid of the Moon in the ancient city of Teotihuacan, where many indigenous shamans and dancers prepare for the ceremonies and rituals for tonight, December 31st, 1999. (sighs) Okay, (laughs) I made it to the top. The view from here of the whole complex and the valley is just fantastic. Lovely mountains all around and a huge pyramid in front of us that looks like another mountain. The Pyramid of the Sun. It's the third largest pyramid in the world. Oh, hi. Sorry to interrupt your music, sir. (laughs) No problem. I'm practicing for tonight. The beat also helps me to meditate. What kind of drum is that? Oh, uh, I play Hispanic instrument for ceremonies. Are you a shaman? Yes. I'm also a history teacher. My name is Eligio Melgar. Eligio. 
Nice meeting you. I'm Roxy, and I have a radio show in Canada. You can get it here in Mexico in shortwave. Could I interview you? Uh, it would be a pleasure, miss. <laughs> Thanks. You were saying that the Pyramid of the Sun is the third largest in the world? Yes. After the Pyramid of Cholula, also here in Mexico, but buried beneath the church, and the Pyramid of Cheops in Egypt. Proudly, our Pyramid of the Sun is the most powerful of them all. How is it so powerful? The Aztecs call this sacred site the birthplace of the gods and base their whole cosmogony on what already existed here. Even the Maya were influenced by the Teotihuacan culture and view of the cosmos. This site is truly the birthplace of Mesoamerican mythology and beliefs. Just by being here, you can feel this special energy. Hmm, true. I can attest that I've never felt energy like here. I had the most awesome meditation earlier today. Oh, anyway, let me say, your English is quite good. Thanks. I have lived in Texas for over 20 years and been a high school teacher for the last 10. Did you come back to Mexico to receive the new millennium? Oh, yes. It is important being here. The year 2000 will be a definitive moment in human history. How so? The Aztec calendar marks the chronology of every era for humankind, including very precise dates. Just before the Europeans arrived here and conquered everything, we were living the fifth era, called the Fifth Sun, which is the final era marked in the Aztec calendar. So, it ended about 500 years ago? No, it hasn't ended yet. But it will soon, very soon. You wouldn't mean tonight, right? Not exactly. But potentially tomorrow marks the beginning of the end of this era. Are you talking about the apocalypse? Do you have a precise date for that? I do. I was able to calculate the exact date called Nawiyojin, which means for movement. That's when the Aztec calendar ends. In other words, the date of the collapse of the fifth sun. I did this for academic reasons, not to uh, scare anyone or to become a Mexican Nostradamus. Well, you can't leave me or my listeners hanging about this date. <laughs> if it's before April, maybe we won't need to worry about our tax returns. <laughs> All right. I calculated the date as November 6th, 2000. However, if there is a real apocalypse happening, it wouldn't be a sovereign thing. It would start happening as soon as we get the first rays of sunshine of the year 2000. So according to this prediction or whatever it is, what will happen on November 7th? A new era would begin, the sixth sun. Ah, so it's not like everyone's going to die and the world will go up in flames? That much, I don't know. We can assume that there will still be a world, just a different world than the one we know. Oh, wow. You know, I don't know what to make of this. I thought that tonight was supposed to be all about optimism and joy. That's how we must face every single day, even the very last one. The shamans here, myself included, expect to get clues tonight or tomorrow on what's going to happen to the world in the year 2000. Of course, we hope for the best, but we need to prepare for the worst, too. The way our current civilization behaves, 
what we're doing to the planet, the environment, the climate, and to each other is terrible. It's clear that we are in a very critical moment in history, and if we remain passive and don't do anything, it will only be downhill from here until there's nothing left to live for. Ooh. In that case, I should interview you again tomorrow, so you can share with us whatever you and the other shamans determine about the new sun of the new millennium. I will be pleased to talk to you again, Ms. Roxy. <laughs> Thank you. From the Pyramid of the Moon in Mexico, this is Roxy, Enlightened Love. Namaste. Wow, a bit grim indeed. Although, a lot of conversations leading to tonight have been apocalyptic. Right, Nostradamus. But that was supposed to happen back in July. Yeah, there's been a bunch of religious characters throughout the centuries that said that by the year 2000, the Antichrist would be among us, and the final judgment would start, you know, tonight or sometime next year. Which, in a way, is what your shaman friend also says. Hmm, only that this is the pre-Columbian view of the cosmos, and not Judeo-Christian. Yeah, it is super interesting. Looking forward to your follow-up interview tomorrow. Me too. And after that, I'm off to Porto Escondido to enjoy the beach and forget about the apocalypse. Hey, a Mexican beach is probably the best place to receive the apocalypse. With a couple of margaritas. Hmm, I usually don't drink, but I might get one of those this weekend. And get one for me too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, I know this is radio, but please, take some pictures. I will. Okay, Luke, there's a queue behind me to use the payphone, and I must head back to the pyramids. Have a nice night, and enjoy the millennium. You too, Rox. Happy trips, and we'll be listening to you soon. Namaste. So, not even in Mexico can a girl get away from apocalyptical doom. <laughs> anyway, how are we doing with time? It's close to 11.30. Oh, you know what that means. That's when the new millennium reaches North America. Yes, dear listeners, for some reason, Newfoundland is half an hour ahead of the rest of eastern Canada. And guess what? We have a special envoy over there. Our pal Nando Castello is in St. John's at the Countdown Millennium Concert. I know, tonight we're burning up the entire budget we had saved this past century. I got Castello on the line. Awesome. Hey, Nando, how's the party on the island going? Hey, Luke, what's up? There's an incredible atmosphere here in St. John's as we're about to welcome the Millennium in Canada. Sounds like a big crowd. Labrador has never seen a party crowd like this one. About 100,000 people. It's bonkers. This is the best place to be right now in all of North America. The concert has been going nonstop since 10 p.m. Everything has been amazing so far. Any signs of the apocalypse yet? Uh, say what? I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Never mind. Where's the countdown at now? Uh, not sure. <laughs> My watch is still on Toronto time. There you go, 20 seconds left of this millennium. Any final words? The party's far from finished. We'll have a firework extravaganza in a few seconds, and the concert continues until 1 a.m. Hey, almost there. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Millennium from Newfoundland and Lab. Nando, you still there? Did we lose him? Yep, gone. Ouch. Please, try to get him back on the line, Dax. Anyway, happy new millennium, everyone. Especially to all our listeners in Newfoundland and Labrador. Canada has officially joined the year 2000, and I couldn't be happier. Here, let's talk some more with Nando. I can't get through with the call. Oh, well, maybe a drunk guy snatched his cell phone. <laughs>
You never know with a mob of Newfoundlanders, eh? <laughs> ah, kidding. Don't worry, dear listeners. You'll get your fix of Canadian fireworks in half an hour here in Toronto. We can see the CN Tower from the rooftop of our studios, and I'll be reporting personally from there. Now, I know that simultaneously, there's the big event at Times Square in New York City with a brand new ball made for the occasion, so it's tough competition. But here in Toronto, we're supposed to put on the biggest fireworks display in Canada's history, so it's going to be quite something as well. No more from Nando from Newfoundland. Nope. Maybe he ran out of battery. Okay. Well, I'm going upstairs to see what's going on at the CN Tower, and I will broadcast from there. While Dax and I prepare everything, we'll replay an interview I did a few days ago with Dr. Kenneth Morris, a professor from the University of Waterloo who's an expert in quantum physics and, you know, that kind of thing. Professor Morris made quite a bang in Canadian media earlier this year in regards to the Y2K bug. So, without further ado, roll the tape, Dax. Rolling. This is Luke Marlowe reporting from the Department of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Waterloo, one of our top higher education institutions in Canada. I'm joining Professor Kenneth Morris, who appeared several times on Canadian and international media bringing awareness to the Y2K bug. Professor Morris, thank you for receiving me in your office. What exactly do you do here at UFW? I teach quantum mechanics, fractal mathematics, and information theory and I try to ignore winter by bunkering in my office. Well, you've bunkered pretty well. We haven't heard from you for a few months. Back in the spring and summer, you talked on many media outlets about the Y2K bug. I did what I could. For anyone out there living under a rock, could you remind us what exactly is the Y2K bug and how could it potentially affect us? The root of the problem is that early computer systems lacked sufficient memory. So anything that could be simplified was simplified, starting with the dating system with two digits instead of four to signify years. Thus, the year 1999 is just 99. Now, the upcoming year will revert to 00. Computers will interpret it as 1900, and every single date calculation will simply not compute, affecting the core functioning of everything in our society. Government services, banks, communications, even our personal home computers. Well, governments and software companies have spent considerable resources to avert this catastrophic scenario, and they claim it's fixed. Can't we relax and enjoy the new millennium celebrations? I've invited you here as a last attempt to reach as many people as possible with the truth. There were some lazy attempts to solve this situation, yes. The main software companies developed updates to their operating systems, but there were major mistakes in the code, so the updates were called back. What major mistakes? For instance, the code treated the year 2000 as a common year because 1900 and most centenary years are not leap years. However, if a centenary year divides evenly by 400, then it's a leap year, which is the case of the Y2K. There were other mistakes as well. I've seen stickers that say Y2K compliant. They claim to have updated their systems. That's misleading public relations. In the end, the delivered upgrade is just a placebo. There are no substantial improvements. The actual working updates wouldn't be available and running until several months into the year 2000. So, there could be some chaos and confusion for a few months and then everything will go back to normal? We have become so dependent on computers and digital information that everything might collapse quickly. Also, all these effects can be exacerbated dramatically by cyber terrorists and anarchic hackers that will exploit security holes created by the bug. Rebuilding the technical backbone of civilization will take a lot more than a software update. What do you recommend my audience to do? Panic and bunker up? Panic is futile. I'd recommend people to get their cash out of the bank, best if it's in gold, 
bulk up on water, non-perishable food, medicine, candles, batteries, gas, don't forget some toilet paper, and of course, a shortwave radio. It's sounding like the apocalypse. It might as well be an electronic and digital apocalypse. We'll have to avoid any electronics that depend on date-based processes. I see you have a big computer in here that's been running incessantly since I arrived. I'm backing up as much data as possible on tape. It's been working round the clock. We can't rely on hard disk drives and servers. I guess you'll turn off your computer by December 31st? No, I don't plan to. Although I will disconnect from the internet and the university intranet. What about the date change back to zero zero? Won't it affect your computer? My computer will not revert to zero zero. I will change the date on the BIOS beforehand, so it won't notice the new millennium and thus will stay safe from the Y2K bug. That's what I urge everyone to do. Change the date on the BIOS back to 98 or whatever once you're disconnected from the internet. It's not a complete solution, but at least the computer will remain usable. <laughs> I know you're one of the smartest people in Canada, Professor, but I hope you got all this wrong. <laughs> Everybody hopes, but nobody does anything. We lead a reactive life, not a proactive one. I'd rather be prepared because there's a new world coming in Y2K. What kind of world is coming? Uh, I don't know for sure yet. Perhaps a world that may look very familiar, a direct continuation of the path that brought us here, but perhaps one that will seem alien and we won't understand. We are at a crucial moment for our destiny, facing these two alternative timelines. It's a fork on the road of civilization and history, and the path we choose is the world we'll live on. What if we don't make the choice? This ship is sailing off with us on it no matter what. The question is, are we on board the boat that sails to our desired port, or are we on the one that sinks? Which one do you think? We won't know with certainty until we find ourselves at the bottom of the sea. Until then, we'll live a dual reality, one in which we survive and one in which we don't. People might fool themselves into thinking we'll be in one, while in fact we'll end up in the other one. And how long until such realization hits us? It could be a few months, a couple of years, or even 20 years. But eventually we'll know, and it'll be too late. Would you give us a follow-up interview in January? Sure, as long as you continue being an analog station and not digital. Excuse me? Your station runs on all analog equipment. You have not digitalized like other stations. You still record and save all your programs on analog tape. In addition, you broadcast on shortwave, which is a very flexible technology that doesn't require computers. I guess we're old school. It's part of our branding. Yet, we do have plans to digitalize by the summer. <laughs> You'll surely scratch those plans before then. Well, we'll see. Anything else you'd like to add, Professor? Yes. Our planet and our species are microscopic specks in the grand scheme of the cosmos. In the end, life will continue somewhere in the universe, regardless of what we do. I'm not sure if that's the most optimistic thing you've said today, or the most pessimistic. Hmm. They are entangled, so both. At any rate, thank you so much for this very interesting conversation. Professor Kenneth Morris, in the name of CKES Tooney Radio, we wish you a very good new millennium, and may you, and your data, stay safe from the Y2K bug. Hmm. Thanks. Happy New Year to your audience around the world. Whatever happens, stay strong, stay informed, Stay analog. We're back, live from Toronto, broadcasting from the rooftop, several stories above the Toonie Radio Studios, just a couple of minutes away from ushering in the year 2000. Right now, it's eerily dark and quiet around the CN Tower, but with thousands of people gathered that politely wait for the fireworks. 
The actual epicenter of the celebrations, the Millennium Lights concert, goes on a few blocks further down at the Toronto Harbour. Right now, the mayor addresses a crowd of 50,000 and the worldwide TV audience. Finally, we'll know what partying like it's 1999 really means for Toronto, New York City, and the rest of North America. Now, before the explosion of joy and celebration, let's take a moment to dwell on everything that's wrong with the world. Everything that we can improve starting tomorrow. When we look back at tonight, 20 years from now, we shall recall with satisfaction how we tackled all the challenges, vanquished all the evils, and upgraded to a better world. Wow! The CN Tower is lighting up from bottom to top. Take that Times Square ball. All right, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Fireworks engulfed the main pot of the CN Tower. Hey, the rumor might be true that it's a flying saucer and it's going to take off. Uh, and so it begins the new millennium with an impressive display of pyrotechnics and lasers, a mile wide, half a mile tall. The whole city seems to be in darkness while the sky over the waterfront lights up. Really amazing. Okay, my dear listeners, the fireworks and laser spectacle will continue for several minutes. People of Toronto are literally having a blast, and I'd say it's a grand way of starting up the new millennium. Nothing more to add tonight. Let's join the celebrations at home and around the world, and then go to sleep and dream in a new era. Broadcasting live from the new millennium, this is CKES Toonie Radio. I'm Luke Marlowe, wishing you to wake up tomorrow in the world we always dreamed of. The future, the Y2K. Y2K Redux is an original audio drama created by Eduardo Soto Falcón, produced by Pilgrim Falcon Productions, with the financial support of the Region of Waterloo Arts Fund. Performed by James Kenneth as Luke, Emily Scully as Roxy, Jeffrey Carl as Kenneth, Genaro Vasquez as Eligio, Manny Baines as Daksh, and Michael Mello as Nando. Written and directed by Eduardo Soto Falcón. Original music by Steve Lehman. Original Mexican music by Alejandro Jacoman. Also Sprach Zarathustra by Richard Strauss. All Lang Syne by Robert Burns. The Deum Laudamus by Dieterich Buchtehude. Sound design and editing by Eduardo Soto Falcón. Production assistance by Wayne McCracken. Location assistance by Paula Avila. Recorded at Kitchener Waterloo Little Theatre, 44 Gockel and Hefner Studio. Special thanks to Matt and Ann Walsh and Artsville, Ontario. The director gratefully acknowledges the financial support of the Region of Waterloo Arts Fund. Please visit artsfund.ca for further information. Produced by Pilgrim Falcon Productions, Inc. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. www.pilgrimfalcon.com